received the invitation. I want to thank the Dudley, the Youth Committee, the District Board, whoever uh, all was involved in allowing me to come. Appreciate the opportunity. Praise God. And uh, I enjoyed the preaching that I heard this morning. Praise God. I just thought that was great. I appreciated what I got to hear. Praise God. Now looking forward to what God's going to do today. I feel like there's some things in the Holy Ghost that God wants to do. And I'm just uh, being blessed so much being here. It's my treat and my pleasure to be with you folks. I don't know what took us so long to meet. Uh, we, uh, we enjoy the same kind of worship. This is my candy stick. This kind of worship doesn't bother me at all. In fact, this is the way we worship in my hometown. Praise God. And so it's great to be here and to see all the folks who love God. But in the midst of everyone that's shouting and worshiping God, I don't want to miss that individual that came here today with a need. I want to reach out to you. Praise God. Only the strong are gonna make it. And only the brave are gonna to win. So why don't you stand up and fight till you can't fight any longer? Then stand up and fight again. Now Jesus knew you had what it takes to make it. Hallelujah. I believe that's the reason why he called your name. you'd love him he knew you'd love him in the sunshine now he's hoping that you'll love him in the rain so that you and he together could win over and over again I want to do that again only the strong are gonna make it and only the brave are gonna win so why don't you stand up and fight till you can't fight any longer and then stand up stand up saint and fight again now I want you to know that Jesus knew that you had what it takes to make it 
that's the reason why he called your name he knew that you'd love him he knew that you'd love him he knew that you'd love him in the sunshine now he's hoping that you love him in the rain so that you and he together could win over and over again you're gonna make it
Hallelujah. Praise God. When a preacher gets into a meeting like this, and his voice isn't quite as strong as he wants it to be, man, oh man. But I don't care if I go away from here voiceless. We're fixing to have a great time. Oh, 
Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I appreciate your presence. I'm glad you're here, Jesus. I'm glad you're real today. I'm glad your mercy is great. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil doesn't want us to have a good time today. And he really doesn't want anybody getting the Holy Ghost today. But I got news for you, devil. Somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost today. say so what if your back hurts I'm going to worship him anyway so what if the job isn't going very good I'm going to worship God anyway so what if you don't feel very good worship God anyway say so 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 what devil I'm going to worship Jesus anyhow I believe I'm going to praise the Lord while I have this chance. I believe I'm going to praise the Lord while I have this chance. I believe I'm going to praise the Lord while I have this chance. I may not have this chance.
Praise God. Hallelujah. that are here today know that I just have the golden opportunity if I didn't want to preach I'm going to let that go right there and I hope you don't wish I did when I get done but I figure I only got two shots at Kansas that's my last shot right here and you can shout after I'm gone so let's go to the book of James, chapter 5. How many is going to preach with the preacher today? I don't mind if you throw a few amens in the ring. So good to have my mom and dad with us. Very pleased that they were able to be with us in service. Praise God. James chapter 5 and verse 17. I appreciate these musicians. They did a tremendous job. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And he prayed again. My God. And he prayed again. Reason some folks don't get what they need from God. They give up just before the Lord answers the prayer. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth brought forth her fruit. Second Kings. Chapter 2. And verse 14. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Harville, I enjoyed that message this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. That was great. Brother Scott. It's tremendous. Second Kings chapter 2, verse 14 says, And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said 
Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. Brother Dudley, would you come back up here, elder, and pray and ask the Lord's blessings? servant today to speak the word of God that's needed even now we do not come Lord to this pulpit today Lord haphazardly but we know that you have spoken to the man of God and we know that we have come today to hear from you we pray right now in the precious name of Jesus that the word of God would strike home on target into our hearts today father even as you would send it and we're careful to give you the praise for it in Jesus name hallelujah let's clap our hands to the Lord Praise God. You may be seated. Elijah had just made his dramatic departure from planet Earth in a whirlwind and a chariot of fire. Elisha the servant had stood and with tears running down his face exclaimed my father my father the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof when suddenly floating down on those holy waves floated a mantle which Elisha grasped and walked back to the Jordan folded it together and screamed out to the amazement of the school of prophets where is the Lord God of Elijah and that's what they wanted to know with those words he smacked the waters and to the astonishment of the school of prophets the waters parted hither and thither and Elisha the servant walked across Jordan with a double portion of the Spirit of the Almighty. The question of that day was, where is the Lord God of Elijah? We don't ask that question today. We have the answer. If you're looking for the Lord God of Elijah, you'll find him walking amongst the seven golden candlesticks. He's in the church. He's here. We're not asking the question, where is the Lord God of Elijah? But the question that the Lord God would have me to ask you today is this one. And this is what the subject is today. Where are the Elijahs of the Lord God? Let's clap our hands to God. <laughs> nineteen ninety one the question is where are the Elijah's of the Lord God 
Elijah the Tishbite was from Tishba in Gilead. We know nothing of his pedigree. We know nothing about his education. We know nothing about whether or not his father or mother were well known in Israel. We know nothing about all the things that we consider important qualifications today. We know nothing about his family or his birth. We don't know if he was blue blood or red blood or what blood. We just know one thing, a couple of things. One, that Elijah was a man of like passions like we. Subject to like passions as we are. A man with human frailties like our own. And one other thing we do know about him, Elijah prayed. And when he prayed, he prayed earnestly. He prayed fervently. And when he prayed earnestly and fervently, if he said, let it not rain, it didn't rain. And if he said, let the heaven give forth its rain, it rained. Another little thing that we know about Elijah is the meaning of Elijah's name. Elijah actually translated into the English means, my God is Jehovah. So you got a guy here, you don't know anything about his family, you don't know anything about his pedigree, you don't know anything about his education, you don't know anything about his qualifications except that he says his God is Jehovah and that he's a common man with frailties like our own and he prays. When Elijah made his appearance, Ahab had taken for wife Jezebel, a Canaanite woman, daughter of Ethbaal. She had married him and Ahab was of a weak and yielding character. He allowed Jezebel to establish Phoenician worship on a grand scale. Prophets of Baal were appointed by the crowds. The prophets of Jehovah were persecuted and slain or only escaped by being hidden in caves. It seemed as if, it seemed as if the last remnants of true religion were about to be obliterated from the face of the earth. It seemed as though true religion was becoming extinct. It seemed, it seemed, it seemed, it seemed that way. It seemed like true religion was biting the dust. It seemed like that the true people of God were being perfectly obliterated. It seemed so. Jezebel had also induced Ahab to issue orders for the violent death of all the prophets of Jehovah. When Elijah walked on the scene, you guys have had your day. Now it's mine. You've had your turn to try whatever remedies you want. Now, my God is Jehovah. And he steps out to the scene. 
and he stands before Ahab and he says, as the Lord God liveth, it will not rain, but according to my word, it shall not rain. Well, they kind of laughed and said, this guy's gone overboard. <laughs> A week later, it hadn't rained. They said, well, it's common this time of the year. Three weeks later, it hadn't rained. And they said, well, just purely coincidental. A year later, it still hadn't rained, and they were raising their eyebrows now. And two years later, the cows were laying down in the fields and dying, and now they were really agitated and said, if we could just find that no good prophet. He's got some kind of monopoly on God. He's cut the rain off. Three years go by, and then finally three and a half years go by, and still there's no rain. And the, at last the full horrors of famine caused by the failure of all the crops have descended upon Samaria, and they are in a dire strait. When suddenly God spoke to Elijah and said, Elijah, your day has come. I want you to go show yourself to Ahab. Do you know who Ahab represents, ladies and gentlemen? Ahab represents the tyrant of the world. He re represents all that is evil. He was the king of wickedness. And the Lord God said to Elijah, the one whose God was Jehovah, I want you to go show yourself to the king of the wicked. I want you to go show yourself to wicked Ahab. Take it easy. We're going to be here for a few minutes. I love the dancing. I love the shouting. I love the talking in tongues. But I've got a message from God for you today. Is anybody here want to hear it? Go show yourself to Ahab. Go show yourself to the world. Let's take this thing outside these four walls. Let's take this out into the city streets, into the highways, into the byways. Let's take this message that we have. Our God is Jehovah Jesus. Elijah went to show himself to Ahab and behold there was a sore famine in Samaria. It was severe. While we sit in here today enjoying the prosperity and the blessings of God all around us there is spiritual famine. You work with people who are in the midst of a famine. You go to school with people who are in the midst of a famine and God said go show yourself to them. Let them see you there is a severe famine in the land. Ahab said, Obadiah, you're the governor of my house. I want you and I to go out and we're going to go see if we can find a stream, a brook, a spring, something. Our country is going under and it's going under quick. Now Obadiah was a man who feared God and had hidden prophets of the Lord in caves. He was an honest soul under the king's control. Don't let the devil tell you that nobody out there wants to hear what we've got. Obadiah was wanting to hear from God. 
He was wanting to do right, but he was under the thumb of Ahab. What the Lord God says to us, freely you have received, freely give. I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Let's go out there. We've got power over Ahab. We can set Obadiah free. He might be your banker. He might be your doctor. He might be a serviceman. He might be your trash collector. He might be the bus driver. He might be the filling station attendant. But there's an Obadiah in your life somewhere. Wicked Ahab said, Obi, we've got to find a stream, a spring, a brook, a creek, because our land is in trouble. We've got to find a solution. But Ahab, you'll find no human solution to a spiritual problem. Now you might as well get with me. You can go ahead and look for all kinds of human solutions. But sometimes the root of the problem is spiritual. And the psychiatrist can't help you when it's a spiritual problem. And the doctor can't help you when it's a spiritual problem. And the counselor can't help you when it's a spiritual problem. Your answer's here at this altar. Your answer's here at this altar. Your answer's in a Pentecostal church. You go ahead and pay your $100 an hour to lay down on that couch and talk to that very, very wise man who smiles while he takes your money. But let me introduce you to the greatest counselor of all times, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So they divided the land between them. They passed throughout it. Ahab went one way, Obadiah went the other. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him. <laughs> he just so happened to be at a particular place out in this wilderness when Obadiah just so happened to cross his path. If you believe that, I could sell you some real estate in Florida. I'm here to tell you that Elijah was directed by the Spirit of God to be at a particular place at a particular time to meet a hungry soul that was hungry for God. Where are the Elijahs of the Lord God today who are willing to say, God, I want to be sensitive to the Spirit. There's somebody today that I need to cross their path. There's somebody today that needs to hear the voice of God. There's somebody today, and I've got to be where you want me to be when you want me to be there. Several months ago, I was driving home with my family. The late hours of the night, wee hours of the morning from Boston, Massachusetts. We were coming back from visiting a girl who was terminally ill with leukemia beautiful 18 year old girl our hearts were heavy we were driving back I guess I was so preoccupied I forgot to check the gas gauge it was a driving rainstorm and up there 
it was a very cold rain. One or two o'clock in the morning, I looked down at my gauge and it said empty. I was driving through southern Maine, nothing but forest on both sides of me, an interstate highway going straight ahead. I woke up my wife, who was by now sleeping, and I said, Honey, we're going to run out of gas. Oh, no. Oh, yes. I wasn't pleased. She wasn't either. A few minutes later, the car sputtered and spat, and you guessed it, over to the shoulder, we lurched. I got my big, heavy, woolen overcoat, put it on. I said, honey, lock the doors. We got the kids in the car, you're in the car. Lock the doors. I'll be back as soon as I can. Nothing to do. Not a car in sight. Got out, began to run. The rain was blowing horizontally. It literally pushed me down the road. And I began to jog. In just a few moments, my coat was completely wet to the inside, and I was wet to the skin. It was cold. And I was thinking, God, how long can we make it, and how long can they survive in that car? And so on I was going. I got to a sign, and as I recall, it said, Augusta, 21 miles. And I stopped, and I said, God, this isn't funny. I mean, I've been having a hard time visiting a girl, praying with her, and uh, I don't ever run out of gas. This is really not funny at all. And God, you've got to help me. I I'm not going to survive this. My family's in danger. I turned around. I run back to the car. I knocked on the window. There was desperation now starting to get into me. And I said, honey, there's a crossover on the median over here. I'm going to go south, and I'm going to see if I can find. There's an exit just a short ways down. I'm going to go down that country road, see if I can find a home. I'm going to knock on somebody's door. Keep the doors locked. No heat in that car. She rolled the window back up. I run up the road, across the median, down the southbound lane, down an exit, and I found a farmhouse, and I started walking up toward the door when something said, and it's probably my own fear, you're crazy. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. We're out in the country. There's no vehicle here. They're going to shoot you and pull you inside the door and call the police. I listened to the reason, the voice of logic. And I said, you're right. This is foolish. There's better ways to die. And I turned around and I walked back down the driveway. And by this time I was feeling very dejected. I'd come to the end of the driveway and to the end of my rope. Was walking now, rain pouring down. My face and hair was soaked. My coat was just hanging limply on my body. And I was drenched. I walked down the road and suddenly a little sob, a little sports car came down off the exit. Went under the highway and turned around and started up the ramp for the northbound line. I said, hey, there's my one chance. And I started running. It didn't appear that he saw me. But when I got to the ramp running, he was sitting idling on the ramp. He rolled his window down, an Apache Indian in Maine. Totally drunk. 
He said, are those your kids? I said, yes, sir. He said, get in. Thank you, sir. I jumped in the car. He began to put that little sob through its paces, winding it. We pulled up behind my car in just a few moments. A state trooper had pulled over, and I thought, this guy's in trouble. He is very noticeably drunk. We got out of the car. This man said, officer, I'll take care of him. He said, fine. Got in his car and drove off. I had no idea who this man was. He said, I'll take you for gas. I said, thank you. Honey, I'm going with this man for gas. Her eyes told me volumes. She didn't know who that man was either. And she was worried for me and for her. I'll be back, hon. I got in the car. He turned around. We was on Interstate 95. He took me southbound on the northbound lane. He took me down to the exit ramp. Rather, the entrance ramp. And exited down the entrance ramp. He crossed under the highway. He got onto the entrance ramp going south and started taking me toward a faraway gas station. He put that thing in its pace as I casually looked over the speedometer. It was about up to 100 miles an hour. We're in a driving rainstorm. I'm sitting there and I'm still thinking this isn't very funny. It wasn't. But as I got to thinking about it, I thought this man's been very kind to me and I, I really need to witness to him. So I thought, here goes. Sir, I'm a preacher. He looked out the corner of his eye at me, never turned his head, looked his eyes right back down the road and said, yeah, I'm a crook. Folks, we were going 90 to 100 miles an hour, but my right hand reached for the door. He didn't know it, but I was feeling for the handle, and I was saying to myself, well, maybe he'll slow down. And if he does, if he starts something, I'm going to try bailing out of here. And I thought, dear God, I'm going to get rolled, and I don't even have any money. He took me to a gas station. He bought the gas. He turned that thing around and took me for a very fast trip back to my car. To make a long story short, he got me there. He made sure that I got the gas in the car. He waited to make sure the car started. I walked back to where he was. He was getting ready to get in his car. And I said, Joe, I've got to come to your home. I've got to meet your family. That Apache Indian stuck his hand out and he said, come soon. When he said that, the Holy Ghost went through me. For 1991. If you allow God, God will cause you to be in places and you're going to rub shoulders with somebody don't miss the opportunity. Don't forget you are Elijah. You are the one who says, my God is Jehovah Jesus. 
It's not the Trinitarian. It's not the charismatic. It's not the denominal world. It's the Jesus name, one God, apostolic people who are the Elijahs in this last day. It's not when we reach some mythical height of spirituality. It's not when we have fasted 25 days. It's not after we have gone on a prayer of 36 hours without stopping. I'm telling you that we are the Elijahs of the Lord God right now. Just as we are, God wants to use us now. Quit saying tomorrow. Quit saying when I get there. God wants to use you now. Can I keep on? So, Elijah and Obadiah met, and he knew him. Obadiah knew him. There were some identifying marks that marked him as Elijah. He didn't have to wonder, is that you? He knew who that was. Now, there's a lot of people they want to act like they really are the Elijahs of the Lord God. But the Elijahs of the Lord God are identified. They're identified, first of all, that they believe in one God. They're identified by the fact that they believe in repentance. And that a man's not saved in his sins, he's saved from his sins. Shall we continue in sin that grace be abound? God forbid. They are marked by belief in baptism, in Jesus' name, by immersion for the remission of sins. If you're here today and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, why don't you do it today? It's a Bible command. They are marked by a definite belief and dependence upon the baptism of the Holy Ghost as evidenced by speaking with other tongues and believing that it's not just an optional piece of equipment but it is a necessary part of our salvation and if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues don't leave this building today until God fills you they are marked by their willingness to come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean things the Elijahs of the 1991s are easily identifiable. They're marked by their apostolic mannerism of worship. They don't care who's here. They're going to worship God. And when they walk out of the building, they're not going to light up. They're not leaving the church and driving down to the bar. This apostolic movement is easily identifiable. Where are the Elijahs of the Lord God? He knew him. He fell on his face. He said, are you who I think you are? Uh-huh. I thought so. Obadiah. Yes, my Lord. Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. Now, if that ain't a challenge, buddy.
I don't know what is the challenge. He has been talking big talk. He's been smoking the war pipe. He's been telling everybody what he's going to do to Elijah when he gets his hands on him. He's been talking big downtown. He's been spreading the word around that when him and Elijah meet, it's going to be high noon. But suddenly, Elijah is not hiding no more. Suddenly, Elijah comes out of obscurity. Suddenly, Elijah loses his intimidations. Suddenly, Elijah says, well, fooey on it all. I'm coming out to meet you. Come on, Elijah. We've hidden the corner long enough. The Bible said this thing was not done in a corner. It's time to rise up and meet the challenge. I want you to go tell Ahab that Elijah is here. Let the word get around Kansas that there's some apostolics in Kansas and we're not ashamed anymore and we're not tucking our head anymore. We're glad for what we've got. Obadiah began to whimper. And he said, now you know, I know what's going to happen. You're going to tell me you're here and I'm going to be with Ahab and I'm going to bring him back and the Lord's going to take you somewhere where I don't know where you are. And Ahab's going to kill me. And I don't want to die. Obadiah, don't be afraid. As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. We have put it off long enough. We've danced around Mount Sinai long enough. We've shouted and danced and praised God and spoken tongues and preached to each other and preached to each other and preached to each other and preached to each other. Let's go show ourselves to Ahab today. Don't tell me I don't know enough about the scripture yet. Don't tell me I don't know enough to be able to witness properly. Don't tell me take the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon you and step out there and be bold as a lion and God will back you up. You said you had a challenge. I think I got the greater challenge after everybody eats. I was visiting a Burger King restaurant one day. Anybody ever visit there? Me and my cousin, Bible school students, Florissant, Missouri, walked into Burger King. My cousin had his Bible and a big black Bible cover. It looked like it was this big. We sat down after we ordered and we started eating our hamburger and our french fries and our soda. When suddenly a group of young people come walking in, the guys had t-shirts on and they had cigarette packs rolled up in their sleeve. They'd been pumping iron. The girls, forget that. They walked in and they sat down at the table and after a while I was looking in the reflection of the window every once in a while and I noticed one of the guys kind of elbowed his girl and nodded at our Bible. Snickered. 
And then I saw one of them go, what's this? Well, blankety blank. My ears started turning red. I saw another boy say, ha, you think that was something? Watch this. Well, blankety, blankety, blank, blank, blankety. My ears turned redder. I sat there feeling like I'd rather be anywhere but here. I didn't feel like an Elijah. I felt like a mouse. But I said to my cousin Terry, have you got a track in your Bible? And he said, uh-huh. I said, would you give it to me, please? He looked at me and I said, Terry, I'm going over there and I'm giving those guys a track. He said, the Lord be with you. That's what I was thinking too. With my knees a little trembling, I picked up a track and I walked over to where six or seven boys and their girlfriends were sitting making fun of me. I walked toward them. Scared to death. I was. I'm being honest with you. I didn't feel like Clark Kent. But you don't know who he is. So why are you laughing? I laid the track down on their table, just like that, and I said, I'd like to give this to you. And when I said that, I'm being honest with you, the Holy Ghost touched me at the top of my head, went through to the sole of my feet, and I all of a sudden felt like Clark Kent. But you don't know who that is. I ran back to my table. I grabbed my cousin's Bible. I ran back over to their table. I opened up the Bible to those men, boys, sitting there with their cigarette packs rolled up in their sleeves. I began to tell them about the Holy Ghost and what it could do for them. Somebody from the Bible school drove by and they told me the next day, they said, Rick, what in the world was going on in Burger King last night? It looked like you were having church. People were sitting there with hamburgers half in their mouth. They were sitting there. They were not moving. The whole restaurant was still. Everything had gotten quiet. I was no longer intimidated. They were intimidated. I saw tears come up in those girls' eyes. I saw tears come up in those tough guys' eyes. I heard one of those boys say, I'd like to have the Holy Ghost. I wasn't a seasoned preacher. I was not a pastor. 
I was just a 19-year-old or 18-year-old boy that said, uh, Elijah is here. I'm through running from you, devil. I could take my Bible and sneak out the back door of Burger King, but you challenged me, and I'm coming at you in Jesus' name. I turned around after I'd concluded talking to them and I walked toward the door. I got almost to the door and I sensed that somebody was following me. I turned around and looked and before God is my witness, one of those young men had gotten up from the table and he was following me like this. I turned around and looked at him with a question mark on my face. You doing? He pointed his finger. His hand was trembling. He said, God spoke through you. God spoke through you. The whole restaurant was sitting there listening to this young man. He said, God spoke through you. He followed us back to the Bible school. He followed us back to the dormitory. He got on his face and began to call out to God in that dormitory that night. As the Lord God liveth, I shall surely show myself to Ahab today. This is our day. This is our hour. This is the time. This is the hour. This is the day to answer the challenge. I don't know if my time's up. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab strapped on his six gun and walked out into the sun to meet him. Now you listen to me. Don't you stand there today and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell Ahab we're coming. Tell Ahab we're going to knock his socks off today if you're not praying. Don't you get all excited in, in the moment here and make some challenges that you're not big enough to fill. Don't you say, Mr. Devil, I challenge you and all your imps unless you mean business. Either put up or shut up. Because when you say, Mr. Devil, it's time for me to show you who's the boss. He is going to attempt to try to dissuade you. I don't mean to say that now we better be careful lest we irritate the devil. No, no, no. What I'm trying to say is this. Make sure you're doing your praying. There's a couple from my church right now that took a stand against the devil. Their prayer life was zero. They're backslidden. 
when you challenge the devil, you need to be sure that you are keeping your prayer life going. Because when you say, Mr. Ahab, you Arab, I'm Elijah. I'm coming for you. When you do that, just be sure that you've talked in tongues today. I don't know about these people that go a week without talking in tongues. I don't understand these people that go a couple weeks without talking in tongues. I don't understand these people that go a month without talking in tongues. I don't understand these Elijahs, these modern day Elijahs that don't pray except when it's church time. I don't understand that. I got a question to ask you. Where are the Elijahs of the Lord God? Anybody want to lift your hand and say, right here, Lord. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. You tell me when I'm out of time. Pull my coattail. It came to pass that when Ahab and Elijah finally met, Doc, there they were. Toe to toe, eyeball to eyeball. And Ahab said, Huh! Art thou he that troubleth Israel? That rotten snake. An accuser of the brethren. I want you to notice something, saints of God. All you young people hear me. Oftentimes, when something goes wrong, the devil will try to get you to try to put the blame on the man of God. Oftentimes, when something goes wrong in the church, the devil will say, Pastor's fault, Pastor's fault, Pastor's fault. Don't believe it. That's a lie of the devil. Elijah said, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and has followed Balaam. I'm going to skip through this story a little bit. Now, Elijah takes command. He says, I want you to call all the people of Israel and gather them unto Mount Carmel. We're going to have a summit meeting. Elijah got on top of the mountain he looked through those scraggly eyebrows at the people. He said, How long halt ye between two opinions? How long you going to ride the fence? How long you going to wonder who you're going to serve? How long you going to be as close to the world as you can get and still try to be saved? How long you going to try to live with one foot in the world and one foot in the church? If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. And the people did not say a word. Then Elijah said unto the people, I'm the only prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450. You let them go ahead and get their bullocks. And you cut them in pieces. Lay your wood on. Put no fire. And the God who answers by fire, let him be God. 
Now, you may think that I'm just a little silly. Maybe I am. But uh, uh, several months ago, Brother Dudley, I walked up to an apartment building and I knocked on the door. And a gentleman opened the door and he said, uh, Have you received the revelation about the book of Revelation? I said, Just a moment, let me go get my Bible. I went and got my Bible, came up the stairs, sat down this little second floor apartment. There were two guys there. One of them pulled out a notebook. And he started reading from this notebook. I listened to one page, I listened to two pages, and my patience started to wane. I said, hold it. I came here to talk to you about the Word of God. He said, this is the Word of God. Talking about his little notebook. I said, nobody, this is the Word of God. Now, he immediately began to show his spirit. He said, you serve a different God than I serve. Now these guys had been to my church. I was trying to do a little friendly visitation. But he was irking the life out of me, for one thing. And number two, he was challenging God. There was another man sitting in there who was hungry for God, and I knew it. I ignored him. I started talking to the guy. I said, look here, look here. And I started showing him scriptures in the Bible. And this other guy kept walking up to me and saying, Reverend Stukes, why are your hands shaking? I said, because I'm excited about God. He kept talking. He kept irking me and pushing me and irking me. And I thought, God, I'm your servant. I don't have to put up with this. And I did something kind of silly. I looked at those two gentlemen. I've been talking about the Lord. I felt like, well, if God didn't help me now, no need me staying here anyway. I said, if I be a servant of God, and if the words I've said to you be true, let the Spirit of God fall in this place right now. And immediately the guy standing beside me started talking in tongues. I'm telling you, there is a time when we need to stand up and say, all right, we are the Elijahs of the Lord God. It's time to accept the challenge. The infidel was sitting across the room. His head went down on the table like he'd been shot. The guy beside me was talking in tongues, and it was the real thing. It was the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you that God will answer and he will help us. Whew, I'm skipping a whole lot. I'm coming right down to the end. I know you are tired. Elijah said, take the prophets of Baal. The fire has been called down. We skipped all that. Take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. They're done. He turns to Ahab, and he said, Ahab, get on your chariot and ride. It's getting ready to rain. Ahab is not in an arguing mood. He just watched fire come from heaven. He just watched the Baals, Baal prophets, be sliced in pieces. He's not feeling like arguing. Kind of like 
God. So that's kind of like, oh, never mind. Dear God, leave that go. Let's keep going. <laughs> he gets on his chariot and he takes off. Elijah says to his servant, I want you to go up and look over the sea. One thing I want you to notice, folks, and this is very important, what I'm saying today is not just to get you to dance and laugh and jump. I appreciate all that, but I hope something sticks down in your heart. Hear me. When Elijah got done calling fire from heaven, slaying the prophets of Baal, he wasn't walking around top of Mount Carmel like this. No, the next scene shows Elijah in a lonely place with his head between his knees. You know what he was doing? He was saying all that came from God. I'm going to tell you something. There's Elijah's here. You're going to lay hands on people, they're going to get the Holy Ghost. You're going to lay hands on the sick, and the sick are going to recover. You're going to teach home Bible studies, and your pastor's going to baptize them. But when you grab your Bible, put it up under your arm, and come strutting around this church as if you were some high and mighty thing, your days of being Elijah are over. For no flesh shall glory in my presence. Let us be careful because God is going to hand out some gifts today. And some people are going to walk out of this place. And you're going to be Elijah to your school. You're going to be Elijah to your job. You're going to be Elijah to wherever you go. But remember, all the glory goes to God. And just be sure you remain teachable. dangerous stuff this is dangerous stuff if you're not going to be teachable don't accept what I'm preaching today I don't want to be responsible for your demise if you're not going to be teachable and submissive to authority then do not listen to this message because this is going to be something that God is going to use people in this congregation to see miracles happen out on the streets and if you're going to come in here and then be unpasturable, then you have lost out with God. It's not worth it. I'm preaching to people that's going to learn how to pray people through to the, at the Holy Ghost altar. You're going to pray them through. You're going to pray 10 through, 20 through, 30 through, 40 through, 50 through, if you'll keep giving glory to God. I'm preaching to people they're going to walk in the hospital and somebody's going to say, oh, I'm so sick. And you're going to say, Elijah has come. And you're going to lay your hand upon him and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And they're going to be healed. I'm preaching to people, lay people, that God is going to use in a mighty way. And as long as you continue to give God the glory and allow your pastor to pastor you, you will be the Elijah where you are. Say, so you guys, the reason I'm preaching so long is you only got two services, and I got a lot to say. He said, Servant, go up and look out over the sea. Which one of you guys will help me out? Come on. Whew. See, he's over there. 
Go look out over the sea. Go like this. What did you see? Nothing. Go again. Jesus, 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 Jesus. What'd you see? Go again. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I believe you, God. I know you're going to do it. God, I stood up to Ahab today. God, I told him it's going to rain. God, I believe you. What'd you see? Do you know why some people don't get their prayers answered? It's because they go like this. God, I've got a real financial problem, God. And God, I don't know what I'm going to do. The phone bills do. The light bills do. The heat bills do. Oh, God, my job's in jeopardy. Oh, my God, my God, God, God. Oh, God, help me. You didn't pray. You weren't praying. You were complaining. I want to quit preaching, but I keep getting more thoughts. I'm sorry. I had a man in my church. He come to me and he said, Brother Stoops, I'm praying about my finances, but I get so scared when I'm praying, I have to stop praying and go to work. I said, sir, you're not praying. I said, the next time you pray, this is the way I want you to pray. Dear Jesus, I know that you are the provider. I know that you're able. I know that you're mighty. I know that you're the great God. And there's nothing that you cannot do. Jesus, I know your hand is upon me. Jesus, I know you'll take care of my needs today. I believe in you. Guess what? The man's a contractor. He got so many houses, he didn't know what to do with them. Faith moves God. Fear moves the devil. The devil doesn't pity you. Walk around looking woe and be gone if you want to. Sit on your hands in the church service. Let everybody know you're not feeling good. Let everybody know you got problems. And the devil says, sick him again. Sit on the pew. Let your feelings show on your face. Say, I'm tired of this. I'm sick of being treated like this. And the devil says, send ten more demons to that man. Hit him again. He's about to give up. I was pastor in a whole missions church. I told you I was silly. Started the church. You guys know what that's about, don't you? I came in one night. You're doing a good job. Just stay right there. You're my helper. I came in one night. Been driving truck all day. Tired, bone tired. Felt like standing up and telling everybody how tired I was. Weary and fatigued. 
fighting devils left, right, front, and back. It was about time for me to step to the pulpit and preach, and I was about feeling like a whipped puppy. I was about to stand up and say, folks, I just want you to pray for me tonight. When something rose up inside of me and said, you dummy. You're not going to do that to those people. You're not going to get up there and talk like that. Buddy, I'm glad God talked to me. I got up behind the pulpit. I screamed and bellowed as loud as I could. I said, God is great. God is a great God. He can do anything. He's powerful. A little lady about halfway back stepped out of her pew, shook her long hip-length hair down, and danced in the Holy Ghost. She came to me after church. She said, Brother Stoops, I was about down. I was down and out. I felt like I just about reached the limit of my endurance. But when you step to the pulpit and begin to say, God is great. He can do it. The Holy Ghost touched me. I'm going to make it. She's still in the church today. I don't know if you like angels or demons. I prefer angels. When I'm worshiping God and praising God, I'm in the presence of the angels. I'm in the presence of the Lord. I could sit in those pews and have angels dancing all around me. I don't know if you believe in that stuff. It's okay with me. I had some visitors in church one night. All of a sudden, they started poking each other. They told some of our people, they said, we saw an angel standing on one side of the pulpit and another angel standing on the other side of the pulpit. I'm going to tell you what. I've seen saints come to church disgruntled and feeling bad and pouting. And I could tell you, I didn't see them, but there were demons standing around them. So it's a matter of whether you like angels or demons. You make your choice. You see, every once in a while, the devil does manage to land one on me. I'm human. But I got to try my best not to let him know. When he has hit me on the chin, I'm going to do my dead level best to shout harder and jump higher. You know why? Self-preservation. I have learned that he is the town bully. If he sees me grab my chin and cry, it's like the bully seeing blood. It doesn't make him feel sorry for me. It just makes him attack me with new intensity. So when the devil lands one on you, run the church aisles, jump and shout, talk in tongues, believe God, have faith, everything will be okay. Your name is Elijah. Servant, go 
look out over the sea. See what you see. Oh, Jesus. Mighty God. I know you're able. I believe you, God. Hallelujah. I know it's going to happen, Jesus. What did you see? Go back again. Jesus, I believe you, God. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. I refuse to give up. What did you see? Nothing. Go again. Oh, God. I know that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You'll give revival to my town if you'll give it to Junction City. God, I believe you. What did you see, servant? Nothing. What do you see? I see a cloud of the size of a man thing. Now there are some folks that would say, won't amount to much, just a cloud the size of a man's hand. There are some folks who will say, yeah, it happened in Junction City, but it won't happen in our town. Yeah, there are some folks that will say, it should have been some big thundercloud, but no, all we have is a cloud the size of a man's hand. But did not Jesus say, if we have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, we can say unto yonder mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and it would get up and be removed. Elijah, let's believe what God is doing in this service today. It's a cloud the size of a man's hand. Let's go back to our churches and let's say, tell Ahab, Elijah is here and I'm showing myself to him today. Elijah said, man, oh man, it's going to rain. <laughs> it's going to rain. Come on, Gehazi. Let's get down off this mountain. Come on, servant. We got to go. Now, I kind of like the way Brother Tenney kind of said this, and if you don't mind, I'll borrow something from him. <laughs> Ahab had gotten quite a head start. He had the finest horses that were left. Dancer and Prancer were hooked right to the chariot. And he was shalaling the back of them horses. And he was saying, get up! Get up! They were running froth coming out the mouth. Ears laid back, head stretched out, just a moving. When suddenly in his rear view mirror, there was an old white-headed prophet. With his skirt pulled up just a bit. He was a running. Ahab looked in the mirror and said, come on, Prancer. 
Come on, dancer. He took another check. The man of God was closer. This is impossible. This can't be happening. I've got the finest horses in Israel. Come on, dancer. Come on, prancer. Let's go. And he took another check. And about that time, Elijah pulled aside of him. And he heard Elijah say, some men trust in horses and others trust in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. And he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Listen, Elijah, we've got the message. We've got the spirit. We've got the God of heaven that's with us. He will not fail us. Stand with me. Sister Dudley, come back to the organ, please. I quote from an unknown author at this point in closing. Hear me and hear me well. I'd like to leave this Kansas Youth Convention on this note. We are part of the fellowship of the unashamed. We have Holy Ghost power. The die has been cast. We have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. We are disciples of his. We won't look back. We won't let up. We won't slow down. We won't be still. Our past is redeemed. Our present makes sense. Our future is secure. We're finished with low living. We're finished with sight walking. We're finished with small planning and smooth knees and colorless dreams and tamed vision and cheap giving and small goals. We no longer need prosperity. We don't have to have position. We don't have to have promotion. We don't have to have popularity. We don't have to be right. We don't have to be first. We don't have to be tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. We cannot be bought. We cannot be compromised. We cannot be detoured or lured away. We won't be turned back. We won't be deluded or deceived or delayed. We won't flinch in the face of sacrifice. We won't hesitate in the presence of our enemies. We will not negotiate at the table of our adversary. We won't ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. We will not give up. 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 We will not let up. We will not shut up until we've stayed up. We'll store up. We'll pray up. We'll pay up. We'll preach up for the cause of Jesus Christ. We are disciples of his. We'll go till he comes. We'll give till we drop. We'll preach until all know. And we'll work until he stops us. And when he comes for his own, he will not have any problem. He will not have any problem recognizing us. Because we will not be discouraged. And we refuse to quit. Where are the Elijahs of the Lord God? Let's praise God together right now.
Sanda Dorra Moho Sanda Dorra Bacasata.